This is Africa Digest. It is 1700 hours Central African time on Africa Digest on Channel Africa, where we give you news from an African perspective. Good evening. Welcome to the program. My name is Spumelele Zondi. We are in Johannesburg in South Africa. You can find us on 7260 kHz on the 31-meter band if you are in Southern Africa. You can also stream us on channelafrica.co.za. I'm with Joala Netulo, Tracy Pumgod, and Nedo Chemane. Your top stories. Arrest warrant issued for Grace Mugabe. Human rights experts have concluded investigations into crimes committed in South Sudan. Alexandra residents in South Africa kick foreigners out of their RDP houses. In economic news, the seven-day intra-African trade fair in Cairo, Egypt, has been described as a stepping stone for African businesses. And in sport, four South Africans have been bought at the Indian Premier League auction and will star in next year's tournament. Yes, Thank you, Spamalele. Good afternoon. The governor of Congo's capital, Kinshasa, has ordered a halt to campaigning in the city ahead of Sunday's presidential vote for security reasons. The decision by Governor Andre Kimbuta, a member of the ruling coalition, follows crackdowns by security forces on opposition supporters last week that killed at least seven people and a fire that destroyed thousands of voting machines. Opposition supporters have, however, labeled the move an attempt to meddle in the race. The long-delayed election in is meant to choose a successor for President Joseph Kabila, who is due to step down after 18 years in power. If successful, it would be democratic. It would be the Democratic Republic of Congo's first democratic transfer of power. Tanzania's opposition parties have declared that they will join forces in a campaign against the dictatorship of President John Magufuli. The six parties announced the move in a statement after a four-day meeting. The meeting brought together the four opposition parties represented in parliament and two smaller parties. The parties called on their followers to unite to protect the democracy in Tanzania. The statement said the parties were legally recognized and would campaign within the limits of the law. Critics say Magufuli has unleashed a wave of oppression since his election in 2015, cracking down on opposition figures, the media and gay people. The bail application against two truck drivers who are facing charges of assisting undocumented persons to enter South Africa and and an alternative charge of human trafficking has been postponed to Friday the 21st for provisional bail application by the Rustenburg Masters Court in the Northwest Province. Albert Ngombeni and Yuragai Yuragai were arrested last week after the police found 16 undocumented Zimbabwean nationals being transported in their truck. Reports. According to the Hawks, 14 children aged between 1 and 15 and adults were found in a mini-truck trailer on the R24 road known as Old Johannesburg Road near Rustenburg. It's reported that all the illegal foreign nationals were being transported to Cape Town. The children have been taken to a place of safety. The two truck drivers have been remanded in custody until this coming Friday. The two may also be charged with human trafficking if the state can prove that they were transporting the persons for exploitation purposes. 
China says it is opposing the weaponization of space as it criticized the United States President Donald Trump's orders to create a new command center for controlling military space operations. Speaking at a press briefing, Chinese Foreign Ministry Hua Qingying said China has consistently proposed the peaceful usage of space. On Tuesday, Trump ordered the creation of Space Command, a new organizational structure within the Pentagon that will have overall control of space of military space operations space come as it is will inevitably come to be known will be on an equal footing with other u.s military commands and finally the belgium's government has fallen after huge rifts over the controversial u.n migration pact the prime minister charles michel has tendered his resignation to the king this means that snap elections are likely to be called in the new year jack parrick has a story While many governments around the world, like the US, Australia and Hungary, have refused to sign up to the UN Migration Pact, Belgium's is the only one to fall over it. The Prime Minister Charles Michel signed the deal in Marrakesh last week, which led to his hard-right Flemish nationalist coalition partners walking out of the government. Them and those who oppose the Migration Pact say it will encourage migration and take away the sovereign right of countries to set their own immigration rules. The pact, which is not legally binding, sets out a number of universal ambitions like ensuring all migrants have official papers and that all governments uphold their human rights. Belgium's now likely to have fresh elections in the new year. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo. On Sunday, the 23rd December, Channel Africa will bring you news updates on the DRC presidential elections as well as updates throughout the festive season. Tune in to www.channelafrica.co.za or Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet or shortwave. Channel Africa, the African perspective. Africa Digest. You're listening to Africa Digest. It is 17.07 Central African Time right here on Africa Digest with me, Spumela Lezondi. Remember that you can be a part of the conversation by tweeting us on Channel Africa 1 on Twitter. That's Channel African Numerical 1. You can also email us. We are on info at channelafrica.co.za. If you prefer WhatsApp, that number is a plus 27763003327. That is the South African code plus 27763003327. Now, in what it says is its fight against women abuse, the civil rights organization AfriForum has announced that a warrant of arrest has been issued for former Zimbabwe First Lady Grace Mugabe. This comes after Mugabe allegedly assaulted a South African model, Gabriella Angles, at a hotel in August last year. For more on this, we are now joined up by AfriForum CEO, Kali Grill. Hello and thank you very much for joining us. Oh, good afternoon. It's a pleasure speaking to you. All right. So what happened here? Why is this case important to you as AfriForum? Well, I think in the first place, it's about the victim, uh, Gabriela Engels, um, that was assaulted. And I think everybody um, that's a victim of violence needs to have um, 
to get closure and the fact that justice is seen to be done. Uh, but in the second place, it's also important that there's a strong message being sent out that nobody is above the law. And that is, of course, a good message. You know, you cannot have people in the country, if they visit all South Africans, that think they can do what they want uh, because they will not be prosecuted. Um, everybody should be handled the same. And in this case, we know that uh, there was an effort uh, to protect Mrs. Mugabe because of her political standing as former First Lady of Zimbabwe and diplomatic immunity was granted to her, we were able to set aside that in a court case, which meant the police could then continue their work, and of course that paved the way for the warrant of arrest that was issued last week. And are you optimistic that um, she will be brought to South Africa as the police have said that they're working with Interpol on this one? Yes, um, well, we would all hope that... uh, uh, Mrs. Mugabe will voluntarily cooperate uh, with the police. I think it's in everybody's interest, also her interest, to be able to have a day in court to state the side of the case. Uh, but of course, if that does not happen, uh, then other means will be pursued, such as um, extradition. And that, of course, would also limit Mrs. Mugabe's ability to travel to many places uh, out of fear of being arrested. Mm. Um, uh, Mr. Grill, how is the victim on this one? I believe that you are in uh, um, in touch with her. Gabriella yeah. Angles, that is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going very well uh, with her. I think she's somebody that all South Africans can be proud of. Um, she symbolizes the strength of, of a young woman um, that decided not to take money when she was offered that, um, but decided she wanted justice to be done. And she kept on standing uh, with what she believed in, even despite the, the pressure that was uh, that came from various sources. Being Mrs. Mugabe, being a very prominent person, uh, but she did well. She has completed some studies, um, so um, from our side, uh, we believe that she's handling it very well, despite uh, the pressure that was on her over the past few few years. Mm. Um, initially, um, when Mrs. Mugabe, when the the news that Mrs. Mugabe had allegedly assaulted Miss um, Angles, she was allowed by South African police to leave the country. She was allowed by South African authorities to leave the country, but she was first lady back then. Um, do you think that things have changed now? Um, that she's no longer first lady. Yes, and, and of course we uh, we won a court case. Um, where the court found that uh, the granting of diplomatic immunity to Mrs. Mugabe was unlawful. Um, so the court decided there should be no diplomatic immunity. Um, so we believe um, that uh, the state is serious in this regard. We accept that they went as far now to, uh, to make sure that there is a warrant of arrest. shows us that they are serious, and we are very glad for that because we need our of the judicial system to work and the police to work and this is exactly what happened now. On that particular point, will you then be instituting um, uh, charges against uh, the South African government for giving a diplomatic community despite the fact that she should not have been granted one? Well, no. We've, uh, um, our only, we don't, uh, we're not in it to, um, to try and punish anybody. All we wanted to see 
happen is that the justice should be done in this case. And now that we've won that court case, uh, we will leave it there. Um, and I think that the government can at least reflect on the fact that they should have acted differently. Um, but there uh, won't be any further action from our side against the South African government. All right. Um, so would one be correct to say that you will be representing um, Miss Angles in this one? Yes. No, no. We've, uh, we've given a undertaking uh, that we will be at the side till the end. Um, also, not only in court, but also in terms of other forms of assistance. And there has been um, help coming from the public um, uh, somebody offered the opportunity to study, which she did, and she uh, successfully uh, completed the course. So uh, we will continue to assist her uh, with whatever she wants us to do to make sure that uh, we make it as easy as possible for her as the victim in this case. All right, and there is another case, uh, the case of uh, the son of advocate George Bezos Alex. Tell us about that one. Yes, it's actually similar in the sense that uh, the victim was also a woman that was assaulted. And, you know, it's kind of in a month where we, where we have a campaign against violence against women and, and children. And that was uh, Mr. George Bezos' son, uh, Alexei Bezos, uh, beat up his wife. Six of the reps were broken in the process. But in the end, the NPI decided not to prosecute. Um, and from our view, it's because they did not want to uh, take on a son of somebody that has political links and uh, that's a prominent person. But after we intervened and said we will privately prosecute, uh, the NPI reconsidered and we said they would uh, prosecute themselves the same way they reconsidered with regard to the Ghana Zuma case. But that for us is the first, uh, it's actually the first prize. We, want the NPA to do their job. We don't necessarily want to prosecute, but the mere ability that we are able to do so um, actually puts pressure on, on the NPA to do what they should have done in the first place, and that is to prosecute the case where it was a strong case against the perpetrator. All right, Gallic Real, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Well, speaking to you. All right, Gallic Real, there is CEO at AfriForum. It is 17.15 Central African time. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunye Njovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. You still listen to Africa Digest on Channel Africa, where we give you news from an African perspective. My name is Spumela Lezondi. It is 17.16 Central African Time. It's Channel Africa Numerical 1 on Twitter. That's Channel Africa 1. Now, three United Nations human rights experts have concluded their preliminary investigation on crimes that have been committed in South Sudan over the past five years. Here's James Shimanyula. 
United Nations human rights experts are in South Sudan, where they have been investigating crimes committed during five years that plunged the country into ethnic fighting. Already the experts, Andrew Clafan, Yasmini Soka, and Bani Afako, have concluded what they describe as preliminary investigations into crimes that were committed in the country when ethnic fighting erupted in 2013. Clafan makes it clear that government troops and fighters loyal to rebel leader Riek Machar were solely responsible for crimes that were committed during the ethnic fighting over the past five years. Some commanders may have been in effective control of their troops at the time of those incidents and the report suggests that those commanders have either failed to prevent the incident or failed to punish it after the fact. On her part, Yasmini Soka reflects on the United Nations team of experts' concern. Our concern is to ensure that we address the impunity, that we are able to set up the Commission on Truth, Healing and Reconciliation speedily, as well as the hybrid court. And finally, Bani Afako sheds light on the extent of violation of human rights in South Sudan. Level violations of the cessation of hostilities has decreased. There is a worrying trend that there is some recruitment that is going on. We don't know whether this is tactical in order to benefit from demobilization packages or this is a preparation to return to conflict. We hope not. That was Bani Afako, one of three members of the United Nations Human Rights Team investigating crimes committed in South Sudan over the past five years. Now, let us look at brief biographies of the three experts, starting with Andrew Clafan, a citizen of United Kingdom. Clafan is professor of public international law at the Graduate Institute of International Development Studies in Geneva, Switzerland. He teaches international human rights law and public international law. At one time, he was a special representative of the United Nations Secretary General in Iraq. Yasmin Soka a citizen of South Africa, is a leading human rights lawyer. She served as a member of the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission from 1996 to 2003. Soka was appointed to the three-member panel of experts that advised the United Nations Secretary-General on accountability for war crimes committed during the final stages of the war in Sri Lanka. Bania Fako, a Ugandan lawyer with experience in conflict mediation, has worked in the fields of human rights refugee law, criminal justice, and transitional justice issues in several countries. He's a part-time tribunal judge in the United Kingdom. Between 2006 and 2008, Afako was the chief legal advisor to the South Sudanese mediation in the Yuba Pistocks between the government of Uganda and the Lord's Resistance Army. In that capacity, Afako developed and drafted the final peace agreement with a particular responsibility for the agreement on reconciliation and accountability. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula. A vigilante group behind the illegal eviction of foreign nationals occupying RDP houses in Alexandra, north of Johannesburg in South Africa, has vowed to continue with these evictions. 
Several families, mostly foreign nationals, have been removed from their houses in Extension 7 and 9. RDP houses in South Africa are government-funded housing that answer to the needs of uh, um, a lack of housing in the country. Now, the group has um, is made up of Alexander residents, and it claims that the occupants obtain the properties fraudulently. Some locals are now fearing for their lives after being attacked on the assumption that they too were foreign nationals, Didaba Zodeti reports. Several foreign nationals have been evicted from their homes in Alexandra Township. Some of the locals are accusing them of having illegally obtained the RDP houses they are occupying. It's believed that more than 15 people have been evicted from their homes in extensions 7 and 9. The evictions are allegedly being carried out by a group of vigilantes who are against the occupation of the RDP houses by the foreign nationals. The group's leader, Duma Kulashe, claims corrupt officials illegally sold the RDP houses. <laughs> Some residents say they are now living in fear. Several houses where people have been removed are standing empty as their owners have fled the area. This resident, who did not want to be identified for fear of victimization, says he was targeted because he speaks Shitsonga. After obtaining a statement from one of the complainants, police say they have managed to arrest one person. Alexandra Police spokesperson Stephen Malaji says they are currently investigating 11 cases which include evictions, malicious damage to property and housebreaking. We've got uh, housebreaking attacks, we've got MI2P cases, we've got three cases of eviction. It's one of those cases that are linked, all of them, those cases, are linked with eviction. In particular, this case here, I didn't single out, single it out, but I can confirm that it's linked to eviction. The Gauteng Human Settlements Department says it is aware of the illegal evictions and is investigating. Spokesperson Lebo Keswa. The department is aware of the allegations that there are people who are evicting people in extension 7 and extension 9 in Alex. We have at this stage not confirmed the allegations. We are working with our team's rapid response and fraud and corruption unit to verify and establish facts. The group has vowed to continue evicting people. I'm Dittawasotezi in Johannesburg. Sunday, December the 23rd, is anticipated as the day on which the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, goes to national and presidential elections. Channel Africa will have special broadcasts in English, French and Kiswahili.
So join us for this special event from 1000 hours to 1400 hours Central African time on the frequency 15170 on the 19 meter band and between 1700 hours to 1800 hours Central African time on the frequency 17770 on the 16 meter band. Channel Africa bringing you the DRC elections from an African perspective. The Nigerian military and human rights watchdog Amnesty International have been having a running battle of words in the efforts by each side to defend their operational method and cover up any lapses that could fan the fire of deeper hostility between organs whose agenda is towards a better treatment for the affected. Following the release of its 2018 report, the Nigerian army took exception to the claims or insinuations that it has largely been slow to react or complicit in the acts of violence which have plagued several communities in Nigeria. Channel Africa's uh, Collins Atohangbe reports that the Nigerian army is saying that Amnesty International lied in the report. The level of dust raised within the military circle over the 2018 report of the Amnesty International on Nigeria seems to be rising despite the efforts by the human rights body to deny what the military says borders on subversive activities against the Nigerian state. No sooner had Amnesty released its report about the handling of security issues from its point of view than the military countered it and called for the closure of the offices of Amnesty International in Nigeria. What exactly was the crux of the matter? The spokesman of the Nigerian Army Brigadier General Sani Usman says Amnesty had gone to such extent as to threaten the symbol of Nigeria's unity, the security system. General Usman says Amnesty lied. Their latest report, they just invited the military. Without prejudice to their independent investigative process, we want a situation whereby the security forces were involved in the investigative process. If they ask case by case what has happened, Oh, what we are doing about it definitely would give them. Time over time, they don't look at the other sides of the story. All their reports were one-sided, attacking the very symbol of national unity and cohesion, that is the security forces. And their aim is to make sure that that symbol of national unity and national strength is totally destabilized so that we, they make room for the Western interest to come in. The vehemence with which the military reacted to the report created a myriad of reaction in the media and among Nigerians. With a note of clearance, Hamnesty says all it did was to present what was already known in a report for the Nigerian authorities to build on for solutions seeking. The director of Amnesty International, Osai Ojigo, says the view of the military is not right. Their thoughts are wrong because... What we are stating is something that is already in the public domain. People are dying. What Amnesty International's report has only done is to provide evidence in terms of what has happened in communities across Nigeria. To point the authorities in the right directions towards cabinet. It's only by presenting this sort of evidence that we can catch the attention of the authorities in order for them to act and to act swiftly and surely to bring an end to all these killings and to make sure the perpetrators 
are brought to justice. Irrespective of what explanations Amnesty International advanced to steal the raging wave of disaffection between it and the Nigerian army over the report, General Osman says Amnesty International cannot be correct in its claim about the Nigerian army and its action in any of the incidents reported. You have to look at it from the context where they are accusing the security forces, particularly the Nigerian army. And in that case, I would say categorically it's false. I can tell you all the allegations leveled against the Nigerian army is not correct. Definitely, they are serving a particular purpose. And in most cases, it's inimical to the well-being of Nigeria. It would be good if Amnesty International reached out to us, just like we have made effort to reach out to them, so that these issues could be trashed out. Some of the so-called researches they carried out normally take place uh, three months, six months after an incident that have uh, occurred. The chairman of Amnesty International, Anwal Musa Rafsanjani, says Amnesty International has no intention of doing anything to undermine Nigeria, but it's looking for a way to assist in the government to meet its responsibility of securing the nation. I just want to call on the government that Amnesty International is not engaging in any undermining or sabotage, but rather helping government and Nigerian people to understand the implication of this continued violence that has been destroying our communities. Also speaking during the report's presentation, two members of the communities who have suffered losses as a result of incessant farmers' headers' clashes says they have been badly affected in the violence which greeted their communities at various times. Lawrence Zongo is a farmer while Baba Ngozama is a cattle herder. Within our community, we lost more than 250 farmers as a result of this clash. And not only farmers have been killed, we have pastors too, churches have been burned, houses destroyed, farm destroyed. Uh, most of the times, uh, this crisis are being motivated by criminals to perpetrate their criminal acts. To further throw light on the content of its report of Sai Ojigo says there is poor communication between the army and the human rights body and that the late responses are leave more rooms for doubt. Look at the incident of 2nd May in Adamawa State, where five villages were raised down. In that particular instance, we even got alerted. We had just left the venue of um, some of those villages when they contacted us saying, look, they are coming again, they are coming to attack us again. And we immediately notify the military posted in that area. We even tweeted about it urgently because we wanted it to get to their attention. And they acted a bit late because people's villages had already gone. But in the process, they arrested some people. That was second of me. What has happened till date? People are not seeing justice being served. This violence has led to at least 3,641 deaths. When we get our findings from the field, we communicate this to the authorities. We wrote to the Nigerian army. We shared with them, this, what is your own side of the story? But each time we've written, they evade answering those questions. Weighing the development, there is no doubt that Amnesty International is one body that has been roundly condemned by many world governments for whatever reasons, even where there are verifiable evidences of omission or commission in the happenings that they focus on. Government must conduct its duty to satisfy the promises of safety for citizens, while Amnesty reviews its operational method and avoid what could spark disaffection between it and the host community. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am calling for Channel Africa News. In your headlines now, here's Chola Netulo.
Thank you, Spumalele. Making headlines, the governor of Congo's capital, Kinshasa, has ordered a halt to campaigning in the city ahead of Sunday's presidential vote vote for security reasons. Tanzania's opposition parties have declared that they will join forces in a campaign against the dictatorship of President John Magufuli. And finally, the bail application against two truck drivers who are facing charges of assisting undocumented persons to enter South Africa and an alternative charge of human trafficking has been postponed to Friday the 21st for provisional bail application by the Rustenburg Masters Court in the Northwest Province. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo. We, the people of South Africa, feel fulfilled that humanity has taken us back into its bosom. The world has seen how deeply he believes in freedom, human dignity, and the right of the individual to fulfill his or her dream. I think for the rest of the world, his legacy will be the symbolism of his own character, of his extraordinary gift for forgiveness and reconciliation. Nelson Mandela is a living embodiment of the highest values of the United Nations. Nelson Mandela. South Africa's giant in history. It is 17.33 Central African Time right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa. Now, some politicians in South Africa are resorting to the courts to seek relief for what they see as defamatory statements by their opponents. The Public Enterprises Minister, Bravin Kordan, has laid charges against opposition Economic Freedom Fighters leader, Julius Malema and his deputy Floyd Shivambu for calling him a dog of white monopoly capital as he was testifying at the Zondo Commission of Inquiry into State Capture. Twenty Mayor Solim Simanga didn't take kindly to utterances by leaders of the governing African National Congress in Twane for calling him a poster boy of corruption and is now suing them for defamation. Debo Mugobo examines the phenomenon of political speak and its boundaries of acceptability versus defamation. Although it's often said politics is not for the faint-hearted, some politicians believe there is a thin line between playing politics and simply playing the man or being defamatory. And recently there's been a slew of defamation accusation and counter-accusation with Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Kotan and EFF leader Julius Malema being a case in point. Our attack on Pravin Kotan is an attack on white monopoly capital because Pravin is a dog of white monopoly capital. We must hit the dog until the owner comes out. And once the owner comes out, we must deal decisively with the owner. And a few days later, Pravin Kodan was at the Brooklyn police station to open a case of verbal attack against Julius Malema. So we have decided that enough is enough. That if you want to argue with us uh, politically, that's fine. But once you lie and you attack families and you propagate this, these lies widely enough, but you also start dividing South African society, then it is totally unacceptable. There were remarks made uh, outside the Zondo Commission which said there could be casualties. And if you go on attacking people the way you are attacking them, the next logical point is are we facing some kind of physical harm or even elimination? But the game of politicians playing foul doesn't start today. 
in 2008 when former ANC chairperson Musi Walekota left the governing party to form the Congress of the People. He was quoted as having said the ANC has gone to the dogs, something that infuriated then ANC Women's League president Njimo Tsekha, who responded by saying it meant the dogs have left the ANC. So I think uh, the dogs which had arrived to the ANC have left. So we are fine with them. Especially Mbazume was my premier and, uh, and my leader. And it saddens me to really say he's not telling the truth. He knows he's not telling the truth. If he was to tell the truth, I don't believe he would say that unless he really is immune to the truth. They know they're not telling the truth. The discomfort that they suddenly have comes from the loss of power in Dimbopo. Terror lost the Western Cape and the Northern Cape, which were the last conferences. And I think that's when they saw that leading is over. They have to be led and they can't deal with being led. And that's the bottom line. But a few days later, Mosiwale got a threatened to take legal action if the Women's League did not retract its statement. Once I accept their right to, to criticize us, I don't think calling us dogs is uh, exactly permissible. I demand that they must call a press conference to withdraw that uh, characterization of us as dogs and to apologize unconditionally. That will be enough. If they don't, we reserve the right to uh, approach the court and ask for relief because it is absolutely unacceptable that they should act in this way. They are free to attack our persons but not to that extent. Again, heading to the courts against some ANC leaders are the executive mayors Hemen Mashab and Solim Simanga. Mashaba is suing the ANC's Pakistan for branding him a sexist and a racist who views women in senior position as prostitutes. This is in reference to remarks Mashaba had made following his appointment as mayor in 2016, saying departments were run by girlfriends of politicians under the ANC. In Tswane, Solim Simanga is sitting with anger for being called a poster boy of corruption by ANC leaders in the city. Political analyst Professor Tingiko Maduleke says there is nothing wrong with politicians approaching the courts for relief. But he says they must understand that these attacks come with the job they are doing. Politicians ought to have slightly thicker skins than ordinary folk like you and I. Because as politicians, they know that it's part of the political transaction that they are going to attack one another. And sometimes the attacks are very personal, what is often referred to as ad hominem. And that they need to be able to take some of these things in their stride. But also, The problem with this tendency is that whereas the rich politicians will be able to run to the courts, poor people will not have the facilities with which to do that. So you will end up with the poor only being the people who are being attacked and defamed, whereas the rich and the political elite will always find relief in the courts. That is a political analyst, Professor Dinyi Komaluleke, ending that report by Ndebo Mukobo in Johannesburg. Tanzania has launched the first tourism channel on Saturday, December 15, to promote the country's wildlife, historic sites and ruins, cultural tourism, marine parks and beaches. Tanzania's Safari Channel, as known, is a new product of the Tanzania Broadcasting Corporation and will run for 24 hours. The launch of the TV channel is made possible by support of Ngorongoro Conservation Area, Tanzania National Parks Authority and the Tanzania Tourism Board as an initiative to boost tourism. Our reporter Gabriel Zakaria has more from Dar es Salaam. The Prime Minister of Tanzania, Kasi Majaliwa, who officiated the tourism channel, said the new channel will not focus on wildlife only, but also archaeological sites and ruins, cultural activities, things like waterfalls, marine parks, beaches, etc. 
A number of tourists is rising up in the old regions around it by tourist attractions should use the open areas to promote the sites. And now you can apply the advantage of this new channel. Our priority is to protect our wildlife animals, tourism areas, and make sure we report the poachers so the law could take place. We have already seen the result of our efforts to protect our wild animals. A number of them is more increasing every year. Kutokana operation kadhaa ambazo tulizilichukuliwa za kuwalinda wanyama, leo tumeanza kuona idadi ya wanyama inaongezeka kutoka mwaka hadi mwaka. The concept and the realization of the Tanzania Safari Channel follows a directive to the TBC by Tanzanian President John Magufuli to introduce a tourism channel. Dr. Ayuburioba is a director general of TBC. This is a channel uh, that is going to be showcasing a myriad of uh, tourist attractions that we have in this country. Uh, we have uh, natural uh, attractions uh, as well as cultural attractions, uh, geographical attractions. And uh, Tanzania is a renowned country in the world uh, for having been endowed with um, a lot of uh, unique attractions. You, you look at um, uh, a place like Ngorongoro Crater. Uh, this is a natural crater that has remained that way for years uh, with um, wildlife mixing freely with human beings uh, in the same setting, in the same ecosystem. Uh, we have the Serengeti, the Great Serengeti. We have Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, and uh, the highest freestanding volcano mountain in the world. Uh, we have uh, Lake Tanganyika, which is actually the deepest, second deepest lake in the world. Dr. Ayubrioba continued that the TBC will work with other media cartels, including the National Geographic Channel, to develop content and build capacity for the TBC staff, which will be preparing the program for the channel. Hoping that we will actually be able um, to, uh, to showcase what we have in Tanzania. And uh, we are also trying uh, to discuss with other um, uh, you know, broadcast uh, platforms uh, to make sure that we not only broadcast in Tanzania, but we also uh, uh, we, we get seen uh, outside Tanzania, outside Africa, and globally. And we are planning also to make sure that we have um, the same you know, programs uh, in different languages so that um, they can be accessed by uh, people around the globe. The channel has received strong support by Zanzibar's Deputy Permanent Secretary in the Ministry of Information, Tourism and Archives, Dr. Saleh Yusuf Mnemo, who said Zanzibar is the main stakeholder in the promotion of tourism and this new channel will be important in both Tanzania mainland and Zanzibar. First and foremost, we Tanzanians should build the culture to watch this channel and promote tourism. Let us not leave this channel to outsiders. We have to start ourselves first and encourage the rest of the viewers to view it. Director General of the Tanzania Broadcasting Corporation, TBC, Dr. Ayubrioba, added that TBC is planned well to use the channel to highlight the national attractions, not only wildlife, but focusing on cultural tourism in the channel content, 
which will tap into Tanzania's rich Indo-Cultural heritage. One thing we know for sure, it's not very easy uh, to run uh, you know, uh, a tourist-based uh, television channel. It's not easy. You've got to produce new, new, uh, new stuff uh, every now and then, and it's not very easy to produce those programs. Uh, particular programs on wildlife where sometimes if you are following a family of lions or a family of hyenas, it, it takes up to six months or even more, up to a year sometimes, for you to, to be able to get a story about the animals or about the animal family. So uh, I understand that it's not easy. However, as I said, we did not start this channel because it was easier to do it. Uh, we started it because it was, it was important to do it. And if it is important, I'm sure we will be able um, you know, to, uh, to succeed in this endeavor. This is the first tourism channel in Eastern Central Africa that believed to promote tourism attractions in the region and beyond the borders to allow them to make a tour to Tanzania and Africa at large. Reporting for Channel Africa in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, this is Gabriel Zakaria. And it's info at channelafrica.co.za on email 17.45 Central African Time. Here's Tracy Pumgott with your economic news. Thank you. Sudan's 2019 budget includes more than a trillion dollars in subsidies, three quarters of which is for fuel and bread. Prime Minister Motaz Musa made the announcement at a press conference on Wednesday. Fuel is sold in Sudan at 10% of its real cost, while the government pays for 90% of its value in direct subsidies. Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari has presented an almost $29 billion budget for 2019. Buhari has laid out a plan to drive growth, this as elections loom in the next two months. Nigeria has recently emerged from its first recession in 25 years, but continues to remain sluggish. The budget is the fourth Buhari has presented to Parliament since taking office in 2015, but unlike the others, did not set record high levels of spending as the government seeks to lower debt. The budget must still be approved by Parliament before it can be signed into law. Nigeria's economy grew by 1.81% in the third quarter of this year. Libya's internationally recognized Prime Minister Fayez al-Sarraj has met with protesters who shut down the al-Sharara oil field. There has been an agreement to form a committee to look at the grievances the protesters have. The UN-Libya mission last week called on protesters to leave the area. In another apparent bid to appease the protesters, the Tripoli government approved a development fund worth $717 million for the long-neglected South. Consumers should remain vigilant to avoid falling victim to theft and fraud this festive season. The South African Banking Risk Information Centre, SABRIC, has warned that increased economic activities means greater opportunity for criminals to swoop on unsuspecting shoppers and holiday makers. SABRIC's Head of Strategic Services, Susan Potrita, says many of the known crime techniques can be easily avoided. 
card swapping at ATMs remains prevalent and we urge consumers never to accept assistance from a stranger. When using the ATM, always remember to cover the hand that types in your PIN number. This will prevent criminals from looking over your shoulder or using spy cameras. And should your card be retained or stolen, the criminal won't have your PIN number. Should your card be retained, please do not move away from the ATM before you've actually cancelled your card. Several hospitality establishments in South Africa's coastal province of Nelson Mandela Bay are experiencing a drop in bookings. This is despite it being the start of the festive season. The Port Elizabeth Metro Bed and Breakfast Association has confirmed that various B&Bs and hotels around Nelson Mandela Bay have been affected. Nelson Mandela Bay Tourism Chief Executive Officer Glenton de Kock says South Africa's struggling economy has altered the spending patterns of consumers. As the season has just commenced, um, we looked at a couple of factors, particularly macroeconomic factors, one being unemployment, um, one being the fluctuation in the petrol price. And I think the, the slight adjustment on the repo rate has also had an effect on how people are looking at their spending patterns. So while indications are that over the past weekend when the season start, there was a decline in, in bookings, However, going forward, our indications are that we will make an, a, an acute assumption um, and a report once the season is done to really see if that is the case. Um, and we're also mindful of the fact that South Africans are going to have to travel a little bit shorter in terms of the holidays because of the change of the school calendar for 2019. For Channel African News, I'm Tracy Bumgard. Thank you very much, Tracy. It is now time for your sports news with Tabes Dima. Good evening, sports fans. I'm Tabes Dima with the latest sports news at this hour. We begin with soccer news. The appointment of Manchester United legend Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as the interim manager until the end of the season has been met with mixed feelings. Solskjaer takes over from Jose Mourinho, who was fired on Tuesday following a poor run of results which saw Manchester United losing 3-1 to Liverpool on Sunday and thus trailing the lock leaders by a massive 19 points. ESPN's Rob Dawson says United took a safer bet by appointing Solskjaer. It is a safe option, you know. He has worked at Manchester United as a coach in the past. He, he was reserved team manager for about three years between 2008 and 2011. He knows a lot of the, the staff around the club. He knows some of the players. The likes of Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard were in the youth system when he was here as reserve team manager. Um, so, you know, it, it, perhaps a surprise that, that he's been given the top job out of nowhere. But, you know, United have made a, an informed choice and... Um, you know, like say, they wanted an appointment with links to the past and, and certainly Solskjaer's got that. The majority of Manchester United fans have welcomed the appointment of Solskjaer, with some saying, for the first time since Alex Ferguson retired, we are in unison over the manager. Check out what fans have been saying. Treble incoming, Amang Thacker, at Wyoa Thacker, December 19, 2018. Oh, what a night. Pick.twitter.com slash JMZN88H5F7, Fiskerm, at Manud90X, 
December 19, 2018 Good choice until the end of the season Him and Mike fell in happy with that, Stewart, adds to Arden 5, December 19, 2018 At least we're now universally in agreement that we like the manager. First time since Fergie retired that we've been able to say that. Doc, at Doc underscore Joshi, December 19, 2018 There and number 39 semicolon S The official confirmation. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been appointed as caretaker coach with Mike Fellin also returning to the club as assistant coach. A United hero returns. ESPN's Gabe Makoti shares his views on United's plans on the new long-term manager. The club's plan is to appoint a more experienced interim manager between now and the end of the season. Remember, they still have trophies to fight for. They're still in the Champions League uh, round of 16. Maybe they can hope to go on a run for that. And then use that time uh, with the interim manager in charge to go and try to secure uh, a really big-name, long-term option. Um, the names that have been mentioned include, of course, Mauricio Pochettino from Tottenham Hotspur, Max Allegri uh, from Juventus, Diego Simeone from Atletico Madrid. Now, obviously, getting one of these names isn't easy, and it's not cheap, and you need to be discreet about it because, of course, all these teams are still competing for, uh, for major silverware themselves, not least in the Champions League. But that seems to be the plan for now. Moving on to rugby news. On the 3rd of February next year, the Lions will take on the Sharks before the Stormers host the Bulls. It will be for the first time that the South African sides show off their Marvel-themed kits with the day being called Superhero Sunday Doubleheader. Each South African franchise will theme their strip during the Super Rugby 2019 around a Marvel superhero. The Lions have Spider-Man-themed strip, the Sharks pay tribute to Black Panther, the Stormers honor Thor, while the Blue Bulls will have Captain America's feel. The Lions will open the day with a match against the Sharks at 1400 Central African time in Cape Town. That's your spot at this hour. Stay tuned on Channel Africa for news, sports and programming from an African perspective. This is Africa Digest. It is 17.54 Central African Time. Let's recap our top stories. An arrest warrant has been issued for Grace Mugabe. Human rights experts have concluded an investigation into crimes committed in South Sudan. And Alexandra residents kick foreigners out of their government houses in South Africa. And that wraps up Africa Digest for this hour. From myself, Pumela Lezondi, producer Ronald Piri, technical producer Sihlendlu, and the rest of the Africa Digest team. Thanks for listening. It's info at channelafrica.co.za and email. WhatsApp us on plus 27763003327. Plus 27763003327. Tweet us on Channel Africa One. We leave you with Hero, and the song is called Desole.
c'est que ton âme veut m'appeler Condé Mais devant ton cœur je suis innocenté Notre amour aura raison Pour toi montagne tu sais que je l'aurai soulevé Ma chérie, tourne pas la page car je suis le livre Ah oh ouais, ma chérie C'est avec toi ce qu'on joue ma vie Ah oh ouais, je sais que tu voudrais t'en aller Faire le ménage puis te retourner Quel amour t'a laissé je suis désolé, il a pas les mains, je suis désolé, aïe aïe aïe, je suis désolé, il a pas les mains, je suis désolé, aïe aïe aïe, désolé, je suis désolé, désolé, il a pas les mains, je suis désolé, aïe aïe aïe, il canne son aniquel et la moule BLF, eh baby, il canne clôt, je m'en canon, et m'en manine, eh baby. Reviens-moi, j'arrive pas à t'oublier. La ligne, oh, voilà, il est bénéfice, baby. Toi et moi, c'est entre toi et moi. 